Hello and welcome to episode 238 of The Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, and strategies for the casual spike. My name is Stanislav, back in Manchester, and with me on the line from Denver, Colorado, it's the one and only Shane Beeps. Stanislav, you're back in Manchester, which means we are up for another somewhat early weekend recording and afternoon recording for you. That's right. I've had a day. I have not. I woke up and I made coffee. I had a bowl of protein cereal. It was good. Is that just is is that meat with milk on it? What does that mean? <laughs> I mean protein just, you know, cereal, like some kind of like high protein cereal, like you know, pro, uh, magic box. I wish it was ma- magic spoon. Get at us. I know that you sponsor podcasts. I'll eat your cereal. Yeah, Pete Holmes sells magic it's spoon too. I had a what? I had Count Chocula. I bought a box of Count Chocula to bring back to England with me because it's obviously impossible to find here because there's two cereals oh does general mills not distribute in the uk it might but they don't the english don't have like sugar seasonal seasonal mascot cereals like the the only seasonal cereals we'll have is like once every 60 years when there's a new coronation we'll have like the coronation (laughs) blend no (laughs) what are the two cereals stan can i can i guess what they are is sure. one is one called something along the lines of muesli, <laughs> something in that space? Because I've seen that word in Europe a number of times, and I'm always like, "What? What is muesli?" No, it's, it's cheeky buggers, but it's just kicks. Yeah, and then the other one is exactly it's cheeky corn buggers. <laughs> yeah, so you is know, that, are those the two cereals? <laughs> you've, you've seen them. You've seen them both. Cheeky corn. Buggers. Yeah, and in the, the muesli, it feels like it's it's ground up cardboard with uh, peanuts for some God. reason. <laughs> You're not you're not way off. Uh, we we got some like mac and cheese, some packaged macaroni and cheese to make our two year old for lunch today. And I'm at mm-hmm. the Tesco superstore. It's like one of the biggest supermarkets in Manchester. And I'm like, I couldn't find any mac and cheese. So I asked him, I'm like, Do you guys have mac and cheese? And he it was like a maybe a nineteen year old boy who sighed and he's like it's just not as big here in England. And they had one type of macaroni and cheese, okay, in this whole supermarket that sells like clothing and toys and light bulbs and food, all right? One type of macaroni and cheese, and it it tasted like cardboard. It was not good. Uh, uh, The kid ate it with glee, but my wife and I were like, this is... This is wrong. We're not doing this again. We're not doing muesli and cheese again. We're going to have to buy our macaroni and cheese off of Amazon. Like, how cursed is that? Have I introduced Dave, our godfather? No. I don't think so. Our gourmand... Hey Dave. Hey everybody. How's your usually, Dave? I'm back. I, I had a I had a Bagsley for myself for this morning. I'm just trying to recover from the uh, the wild weekend I've had. Where, where Friday I went and did vintage cube draft with mm. Stan's friends, filling in as a, a meager replacement for Stan among his friends friend slash Magic playing group. Yeah. Um, you know, I did draft a broken deck in your honor, though. Uh, well, thank th- you. With all the fast artifact mana. And then yesterday was giant block party day on my block, which is like kind of gets pretty wild. And yeah, I barely made it to the show is what I'm going to say. Well, I'm glad you're here. Thanks. My voice Dave, is since- sonorous and extra deep this morning, maybe. Dave, Shane, now that you're both here, can I tell you about heavy play? Please. It's this awesome card gaming accessories line that is designed to improve your gameplay and your game day. We are You're not putting spot- Pokemon in those, are you? Of course. Of course I'm going to put Pokemon in them. Okay. I guess I'll allow it. Thanks. I'm also going to use Pokemon with their playmats, 
their deck boxes, of course, and yet even their card sleeves, they feature enhanced ergonomics designed for mobility as well as protection. And my favorite part about all the heavy play stuff is their equip mag system, which allows you to snap, 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 magnetically snap dice, deck boxes and play mats all together into one very convenient system. Leslie, you, you know what one thing we don't actually talk about much with this is that it allows you to have different deck boxes, but like one dice box mm-hmm. and like trinket box. And so that's like an annoying thing for me is like, I'll have one like satin tower type thing. Right. And then you're just like, uh, I have to move my cards around between my ultimate guard products. No, she had an ultimate guard. Good stuff. Right. But like you now just have one dice box. that just snaps to whatever deck you're choosing to take. I love that. And the dice box, which I'm holding up right now, maybe this will appear in the YouTube video or not is also magnetized. So the dice tray is held in position by magnets and it comes together in the most satisfying way ever. Yeah, it slides and is held shut by the magic of magnets as well and makes how it nice. work? Yeah, how do I, I was trying to make it through without that. Thank you. Uh, yes. So Heavy Play coming soon to your LGS or you could shop now at heavyplay.com and use code the dive down 2023 for 10% off your first order. If you do use that code, it lets Randy know that you heard about it from us. Heavyplay.com. What are we doing this week, Stan? Well, we're finally wrapping up our picks to click from Wilds of Eldraine. And we ask each other once and for all, guys, what does it take for a set to actually be interesting? I don't understand why you guys would want to talk about that this week, but okay. <laughs> I don't know if, I mean, we might, we might not. We'll try. We'll see. Eventually, we're just going to get so frustrated at these cards that we're forced to discuss. <laughs> wow. I'm just gonna really incentivizing people to, yeah, really incentivizing people to stay for the whole download you're really going to kill our our engagement metrics i mean i I will say i think that there's some surprises in here yeah i think there's some decent things to discuss but i think there's a few cards that we just straight up missed once again because they were spoiled so early that Mm -hmm. we haven't we didn't talk about them you went back to the vaults huh yeah i think there's a couple we should go back for a little bit and just discuss so yeah, That'll I'll help. also point out, like I, I was, I was pasting cards in the in the sheet, and Shane was still like, "Stan, you're being way too generous to the set." Like, I didn't even leave a note. <laughs> I was just like, "Oh, Moonshaker Cavalry," and Shane's like DMing me, like, "Come on, man, don't put cavalries in our <laughs> notes." Moonshaker Cavalry. I'm, I'm assuming that's the one he was Sh- looking at. Should we start with? Let's start with Moonshaker Cavalry. It's on Stan's sure. list. He's got it there. It costs. We got first, though. No, we yeah. Well, I guess we do. Go ahead. All right, let's housekeep before we moonshake the cavalry. New patron to join the dive down nation. Pixel hero. Hello, hello. Thank you for your support. Pixel H. Yeah. Pixel dot H. P hero. P. Pharaoh. Stanislav, do, do you say H yet? <laughs> Only if I want the locals to understand me. Is that? Do you use that when you're asking for macaroni and cheese? When I have to talk to my HR manager. My my hatcheroni. Yeah. That's right. If you'd like to support the Dive Down for hilarious pronunciation guides about British letters and American letters, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the Dive Down. You can even support us by getting some swag for yourself over at our store at thedivedown.com slash store. Heck, you can even support us while playing Magic Online with Mana Traders using promo code the Dive Down 2023. Gets you 10% off your first two months of renting Magic Online cards. And of course, there's Barrister and Man for your shaving needs and grooming products, fragrances, and more. 
Use promo code THEDIVEDOWN23 to get 15% off your first order from Bear Stern Man. And then there's NRG. Nerd Rage Gaming gives you 8% off your order of paper magic cards using promo code DIVE8. Those are our friends and sponsors. Thank you to all of our friends and sponsors, future, past, and existing supporters of the show. <laughs> Speaking of supporters of the show, Stanislav, you're one of our biggest frequent guests. And for That's, that, I've always said this. I'm gonna let's uh, like Dave said, let's give you let's give you first dibs on card yeah. you want to talk well, about. Well, well, so this is one that I think falls into Dave's bucket of like they were spoiled so early we never talked about it, and that's Moonshaker Cavalry. I mean, I think there's other reasons we didn't talk about it, but go ahead. Well. You know what? I want to get into that. I know what you're saying, Shane. I, I can read between your sardonic lines, and I want to discuss that. Your sardonic okay. lines is my favorite New Order song. <laughs> Some, you know, they're mank. Sometimes you really nail one. I, th- I felt like that one was really good. Moonshaker Cavalry. Five. White, white, white. That's, That's a lot of eight mana. mana. Yes. It's a creature. Spirit, knight. It flies. It is, is it, it's a 6-6. Six, six. And it has some text. When Moonshaker Cavalry enters the battlefield, creatures you control gain flying and get plus X, plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of creatures you control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That it's like a good, is... Good commander card. You, you just took the words out of my mouth. It's, it's a good commander card, isn't it? But... Anyone else who plays this, I think, in our formats is doing something broken. And... I think Shane, when when you were making your sardonic lines, it's because like this isn't the type of card that tends to see play, and it's just wh- what? Why not? Why why are cards? And I I agree with you. Yeah. And I'm just like, why do cards like this not excite us anymore? Because why are eight. we so hardened and cold? Because it costs eight, and like so, like if you're doing something that costs eight, typically typically you're probably playing like a really you know annoying control deck, and you play your mm. Pearl Lake agent ancient and like you sort of finish the game with that or you like untap your hall of the spirit giants or whatever and you you know kill with that over a few turns and i think what's tempting is to compare this to like crater hoof behemoth right so it's like the white crater it's funny you mentioned that because i'm looking at crater hoof behemoth right now as well and it's much better is it and because because it's in green yeah which is the color of ramp the color of mana dorks and crater hoof behemoth has haste Itself Which means when you has mm-hmm. itself yeah. when so when you cast Crater Hoof Behemoth, you are likely killing. This doesn't even guarantee a kill at eight mana. Whereas if you're playing Crater Hoof and you're ramping into it with mana dorks, and then you go ham, it's like well I've you know GGs. Whereas I feel like this is a top end for a deck that would take you know it's potentially challenging to get to even cast it, and that doesn't even necessarily kill. So it's like, I can see it in, you know, Commander, like you said, Stan, where it's like, that's where you can get excited because you just play a different game. What about, we play this with a bunch of like mana dorks and token makers and raise the alarms and cryptolith so rights. some Selesnia tokens so that, action going back to the well. Yeah, Selesnia tokens, all of your creatures tap for mana, you make a lot of tokens, and then you play Moonshaker Cavalry and, and then And like swing with and March of the Multitudes or something like that as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I think yeah. I think this card is noteworthy because the other effect that's in Pioneer that is sort of like this is bad. Like the one decimator of the provinces or whatever, mm-hmm. the one that's the uh, I forget even forget what that mechanics called is not as good as Crater of Behemoth and this is mostly Crater of Behemoth and it even gives better evasion, right? Even though it's in the wrong colors and so maybe someone will find out some kind of broken thing to do with it. I think that is true. 
So there's there's a new like broken top end of your creature chain if you want to get there, and that card's Moonshaker Cavalry, and we should just earmark it and recognize that it's around in Pioneer. I mean, I'm glad this card exists because I think it's like twenty something dollars, and so it's just going to take some pressure off of other cards we might want to play. There's other cards you want to play out of this set. There's cards you want to play out of There's this a few. set. Okay. There's a few. Well, why don't you give a? Should we just do this around and around? Should we just? We don't have to go in order, yeah. right? Shane, why don't you Let's tell do us it. one of the cards you want to play from this set? Well. Okay, that I want to yeah. play. That Shane wants to play. Yeah. Let's let's talk about yeah, this. What are you what are you buying, Shane? Where are your stocks? Uh, man, I don't know if I have any stocks in this set. I have to be full disclosure. I don't know. I th- but let's let's talk about. You want to talk about elusive otter now? Let's just get a decent card out of the way. I think we all kind of want to talk about this okay. card. So let's just do it now. Elusive otter. It's a single yeah. blue mana for a creature hyphen otter. And it has a, uh, it's a 1-1. One, one. That's not very good, Shane, but it has prowess. You know, so it gets a plus one, plus one until end of turn when you cast a non-creature spell. Creatures with power less than Elusive Otter's power can't block it. And, oh, it has an adventure thing, too. Grove's Bounty for XG Sorcery. And Grove's Bounty says distribute X 1-1 one, one counters among any number of target creatures you control. So, one, this was almost definitely a merfolk, right? Before it got retconned <laughs> yeah. into like an otter. Like this is this is this is uh, this is merfolk Why? 101. Why? It just seems like I mean it's in blue green and has prowess. It puts counters on creatures. It just seems not, like it would go into. There's like, not a ton of merfolk out there with prowess, bro. <laughs> well, make it given a prowess. Well, there's a lot of otters with prowess. Is as this as like an otter are. thing? That's a good point. So, I mean, this is. One one is bad, but this is also cheap. But I think importantly, I think in terms of adventure design, this is good late and good early. I agree. I mean, I think you would think that I would be excited about this card, given my historical relationship it's, to prowess. It's not in red, though. I don't really. I want to. I just. I'm only butting in here because I want to establish context. You are imagining this as a card that's good enough for pioneer, or you are imagining that this is a card that's good enough for modern. This will never see modern. I agree. Play. I, that's part of that's why I'm not excited about this card because I like prowess in modern. Yeah. I don't love mm-hmm. it in pioneer. So please continue. Yeah, I mean I, that's all I have. I mean it's like it'll it's gonna go into some kind of decks. It'll if you play arena, I absolutely 100 percent guarantee you will see this on day one of playing when this set drops. People will be playing with elusive otter somewhere. Maybe it goes into merfolk. Maybe it's just like who cares if this is out of merfolk? Merfolk in pioneer. I mean. Yeah, I mean, like you know, there's there's like janky Simic, Merfolk type stuff. There's the ex- the blue, yeah, the Ixalan Merfolk are the base. Yeah. So, did we think that this slots into red blue prowess in Pioneer? Like, is there mana to support? That's a problem too with this card, right? right? Is like it's not an is it? So, what deck is playing like this in a bit a blue green shell? I mean, it can go in the is it deck. Go ahead, Stan. Well, to Shane's point with Merfolk, like, are, is there a better one drop Merfolk in Pioneer? Like, let's talk Does about the Merfolk play patterns. Play here, a right? lot like, of spells, it, though. That's it my. It can thing. do whatever it wants, babe. That's a good point. It it, it can play a dive down. There's a Merfolk sure, on the should. art. But my 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 point here is though that the the play pattern that this kind of sets up is interesting, right? Because like you can just play it on turn one, and then you have this scaling threat, and then if you draw it late in the game, then you have Grove's Bounty that can potentially distribute one one tokens at sorcery speed, but 
maybe you can line up like a, a killing line. And I'm not sure that Merfolk has any other cards that are A, that versatile, or B, that are good enough as early threats that can scale the way a prowess creature can. I mean, I, d- I do want to say that like, even though I mentioned Merfolk, like the reason that Merfolk are decent is because they have lords. So like your one one, you know, green Merfolk becomes like three three permanently without having to like cast spells. So it's more resilient to removal, things like you know, it blocks better, it attacks better, and Elusive Otter is not gonna do those same things. And then I look at Groves Bonnie again, even though I put this on the list and brought it up and I'm like, is Groves Bonnie even that good late? Like let's say you have like five mana in like your aggressive creature deck, right? And then you put four one, one counters. I guess it's like, if you're going tall, maybe that's cool. Like you just like have like a real big beater. You you put them all on your other elusive otter. That's already in play. Like that's, that's what you're thinking about with this. I still think we're probably underrating this in the traditional prowess pioneer shell. Like I'm looking at, at Merfolk right now in, in Pioneer for what it's worth. And there's like no results for it, even in, yeah, it's not in anything since like, I, I see one person streamed it in like March of this year. And I'm, I'm kind of looking at the deck right now. They all have Benthic Biomancer as their one drop, which is an adapt card. It's a one, one, you know, they got deep root elite. Like there's, there are a lot of, of Merfolk, but I, I feel like this is much more still, I would be like, I'm going to put a single stomping ground and a single um, breeding pool yeah. in my, in right. my red blue prowess deck. And like, Hey, if I get to cast gross bounty later, it's great. If I don't, this is still a good one drop in pioneer to go with swift spear and, and uh soul scar mage. Yeah, you're probably right. Just like do like a light green splash for like late game gross bonnie type stuff. Yeah, and it's it's good to power up your creatures later. It gives them all a prowess trigger. Plus you get they get the plus one counters from whatever you manage to do it. You can That's you can point. do a, a prowess trigger for this for a single green, which isn't great, but it is a bailout if you need a little bit of extra pull. So like I I, I think that this card is a prowess card. But, you know, I, I don't know if it makes that deck come back or makes any kind of impression on that deck enough right now uh, to make it good again. Because it was good, like, six months ago. Would be nice to have some Manamorphos and Pioneer. That'll never card. happen. <laughs> I know, it's messed up. <laughs> all right, I think that's, an, that's all I need to say about Otter. I, um, unless you all think that this is, this is a card worth spending five more minutes no, on. No, All right, Dave, what no. do you got? All right, one card that I want to talk about off the top. And this is something that we have faced some pressure from certain constituencies in the Dive Down Nation to talk about more. And here's the card. It's Devouring Sugar Maw. It's two colorless black black for a creature horror. Menace Trample. The beginning of your upkeep, you may sacrifice an artifact, enchantment, or token. If you don't tap Devouring Sugar Maw, you get a 6-6 for all of that. And then the adventure side is called Have for Dinner. which is a hilarious title and it's a generic and a white it's an adventure and it creates a one, one human creature token and a food token. Do you all know where I'm going with this card or where this card is probably? I mean, I read, I read yeah. your notes. Well, so I do so know. this yeah, card I read the notes. is getting some hype from people who like to play the number three cascade deck in modern glimpse of tomorrow. That's right. We're talking about glimpse of tomorrow on this podcast. First time since Ryan Donkin was on, many months ago. But so I asked Kilgore slash Jason from our discord a little bit about this. Cause he's a big fan of the deck trying to understand exactly why people are so excited about this. 
And he said the real reason is that they're the only card that makes that costs more than two mana, so it doesn't get oh. cascaded into and makes two tokens somehow is that card from uh, Horizons called Wave Sifter, which makes two clue tokens. So what this really is, is it's a two-mana card that you can't cascade into that makes two tokens, so that when you do cascade into Glimpse of Tomorrow, you have a ton of extra tokens. That's what this card is. Oh, this makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's just, yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Sweet. And it's pretty simple. You know, I I think that that's what it is. There's also some talk about another card called Gumdrop Poisoner, which I won't talk about, but it's a, I'll I'll just say really quickly, it's a three CMC card that makes a token for a single black so that um, you can potentially have a glimpse deck that has like grief in it. So there's a lot of people that are, are starting to mess around with these cards in order to make glimpse tomorrow better. And that's the long and short of it. I think it's pretty sure. It sounds like it's pretty sure that this card will see play in the in the deck. It's just a question of whether the build will change enough to become the black one or not. Because the best draws, just to be clear again, is here's here's what Jason told me the best opening hands in Glimpse are. You have a Colony Garden and a Wave Sifter, so then you have six game object Glimpse. And this can help you have a backup plan for that. And that's that. Thoughts, concerns? What do we think about Glimpse? Haven't seen it in a long time. I haven't like really haven't played against it in what feels like a year. But I believe that every new cheap token maker that it can also be like a big insane threat probably just continues to make yeah. that yeah. deck makes sense to me too. Potentially stronger. Yeah. It has no. It has yeah, no. Gotta to go, love but, uh, rule of eight stuff, right? Where it's like, oh, you want to you want to to- a double token maker? Here's another one that's helpful too. Makes your your budget straws better, more frequent. Yeah. No, Wave, Wave Sifter, Sifter is a blue and a green. Wave Sifter is act, free, though, right? Do the evoke like, isn't cost. it an evoke elemental? Yeah. Okay. So, all right. That. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this just is, this because is like of a that slam dunk one thing. Yeah, just because you of know, that, that particular deck. deck, but I do think it fits. Yeah. Stan, what do you want to go next? What do I want? Let's talk about the other otter. Can we talk about how annoyed I am that this one that we have an otter that has prowess and we have an otter that doesn't have prowess, but has the instant sorcery text on it. I, <laughs> yeah, I it extremely makes, do not get it's that. It's so weird. Like, why would it have, why would it have only instant and sorcery instead because of Because they're worried about us spell. casting. Why? Yeah. Mishra's ball. They're like, we can give you because one prowess, prowess card is in this too good. Set, but we can't give you two. Yeah. But this one, this one won't see play in modern, even if it had prowess. Stan, which card is this? It's called frolicking familiar. To you, Otter Wizard, flying 2-2. When you cast an instant or sorcery, it gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. And then it has an adventure called Blow Off Steam. Single red for an instant. It deals one damage to any target. So for one, I think Blow Off Steam is better than the the weird green token thing. Like, I think this is a better adventure. Uh. Yeah, I reluctantly agree. I think they're actually pretty close, but I think you're probably right that just damage is probably better than the tricky token thing. And also, the other thing that makes this better is this is an instant, and the yeah. green the green one is not. Also, importantly, yeah. this is classic adventure design, which is you cur- you curve yes. into frolicking familiar. You do not really yes. curve from add tokens with an X spell into your single blue mana otter as often. That's right. That's right. All, all of the adventures I've selected for this episode are stuck out to me because of the curve. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so where do you like this? 
I don't know where I like it. I just think it's neat. I mean, that's how I feel about all these cards. I just think they're neat. Maybe, maybe I might like drafting them. I think the fact that this curves correctly is is important. I like the fact that the creature end is a flyer, a 2-2 flyer that scales up. Like, it clearly wants to be in a creature deck, so it's probably attacking for three or more every turn. I also think one damage is not insignificant. Like, we see people play um that what's the the lava spike that has a the mdfc lava spike spike field hazard we see people play spike field hazard you know it's this, the fact that that exiles i think is probably only really relevant against like the cat oven decks maybe occasionally you can like tag a croxa with it if you're being really clever but this being like a pinger that then turns into a decent body creature means like maybe maybe it's enough if nothing else, I just think it's neat. Yeah. Here, all I see when I look at the three mana cost 2-2 two, two flyer with like semi-prowess is, Dave, what was that card that people were using for a bit? Was that from M20? Like the flyer that's scryed or whatever? Stormwing Entity? Yeah, this just looks like a Stormwing Entity to me. Which actually I think is pretty good. So Stormwing Entity, if you look in Pioneer, there's a number of the most recent round of Prowess decks that are still that were playing Stormwing Entity. I'm looking at and like maybe that goes in, maybe that stays stays out. Here's one from I'm looking at one from May 27th, 2023, that has like your third path iconoclast. It has Balmore Battle Battle Mage Captain. It has Kenra Spellspear. Remember that card from March of the Machines. I, I think that there's a chance that just given that this is removal on one side and a threat on the back with evasion, that it could potentially replace one or more of those cards that are at the top end of this deck, depending on how you want to build it. In my heart, I kind of think the other otter is better, but maybe this one is the one that's good. You know what it is about this card? I think I figured it out while you were speaking, David. This is the type of card that would make me play a dinky standard deck on arena if it like was built around cards like this sure yeah you see where i'm getting at this is the kind of card that would make me play a dinky prowess deck in real life or in pioneer is what i meant but yeah i like it i'm just gonna hijack can i hijack can we talk about one more card please because it's on theme scalding viper how is this on? which is actually Oh, I guess it's an adventure. Another, yeah, is it an adventure, adventure card? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's an otter. <laughs> otter it's viper. Scalding viper, creature elemental otter. Aren't otters the things that kill snakes? No, that's a mongoose, bro. Oh, thank you. Well, they're kind of similar. God, they're, tubi- Shane, they're tubish. Shane, they're, wake they're up. They're tubish. They're weaselish, I think, is the word you were looking for. Oh, I like tubes. Okay. Scalding viper. One in a red for an elemental snake. Whenever an opponent casts a spell with mana value three or less, Scalding Viper deals two one or deals one damage to that player, and it is a two one. And then it has an adventure called Steam Clean. One in a blue for a sorcery. Return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. So you like this card, right? You're high on this. I do. I I do like this card. I actually, like I said, I think this might be my favorite. The adventure hmm. cards. Tell me why. So I think the, even though like the adventure and the creature are the same cost, you can curve them out however you want. Like if you need the creature ASAP, you can play the creature ASAP. If you need a little disruption, you have like some reasonably costed disruption. That's, I mean, it's, it's petty theft, right? Like 
I think it's the exact same text. Uh, it is not. not the exact same text. Can I tell you why? That's a sorcery. Oh, be, oh no. Well, it's sorcery, but also doesn't Petty Theft only target opponents? Correct. You can stuff? bounce your own stuff with this if you want to. But yeah. you, but since it's a sorcery, it's not. that's not very good on this card, but yeah. it's still worth noting you can bounce your own yeah, stuff that's, with this. Yeah. yeah, it being sorcery actually is something that lowers my rating of it, but... Even then, even so, the text, whenever an opponent casts a spell with mana value three or less, it deals one damage to that player. Like, I think that's better than it reads. Like, I, th I think that it's like, that can do like three damage a game easily. Probably more. I mean, against every deck. I mean, Eidolon exists and doesn't see a ton of play, even in, I, you know. However, this is asymmetrical. It's not both players. Yeah, yeah I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like. Oh, Eidolon is three or less. Yes. I, I feel like both halves of this are not what I want. Meaning like it like if it let's say it had even if it had two toughness, but like it doesn't it just is it's a pretty rough you know, the snake does not gonna do enough, the steam clean being a sorcery and being two mana. Like why couldn't this I feel like this could almost be fair as like a one mana sorcery, because like you know, or like have some kind mm -hmm. of more restrictions on the permanent, like permanent three mana value or less. So it's sort of like a symmetrical on the, you know, the creature and the adventure side, just to like give you ha like have more early game action with the steam clean. What are you like game developer now? Yeah, I'm, I'm a really, I'm a really good card designer, Dave. Do yeah. you know that? <laughs> yeah. I kind of like this card. Stan, I read it originally. I was like, I don't like this. And then you put it in the spoiler list. And I, I, I am kind of warming up to it a little bit. I don't, I certainly don't think this has a home in modern. So this becomes a question of like, is this, is this something that you can do in pioneer to leverage, um, you know, to leverage like, uh, Eidolon, maybe you play like an eight Eidolon deck or that kind of thing or something. I don't know. But what were you thinking, Stan? You're, this is a, this is just, I think it's neat kind of space. Yes, everything in the set is, I think, it's neat space. Let's just... Yeah. Let's set let's that, save that as the foundation. I mean, this this goes in that same dinky standard deck that would get me to play standard on Arena, I guess. Yeah. It certainly it's feels just, like the two otters and this could be like a deck that you do play together in standard with a bunch of just like yeah, a little adventures. And yeah. Yeah. It does feel like... The card that Shane was describing would probably exist in the original Eldraine, and this is sort of like another example of them being extra cautious around adventure design. Oh, it, yeah, it'd be instant in the original. It'd be like it'd be a better petty theft somehow. Right. <laughs> right. All right, Shane, what are you talking it, about? I, All right. Oh, well, go ahead. No, Stan, you got some more. I'm still looking, so well, you talk I, while I'm looking. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is just like my little soapbox where it feels like this. If you can call it the success of the original Eldraine, has kind of like made this set weaker, at least. Oh, definitely on paper. On paper, yeah. And, and like that, they're like they're I, so I find that afraid. really disappointing. Yeah, they're so afraid because yeah. like that deck needed half of the set had it to be banned, and like they revisited it, but now they're like extra cautious. And I think in that situation, everyone loses because the cards are a little less exciting makes them less likely to see play in the formats that we care about at least. And I don't know, like you can pull back too much too. Like maybe, maybe yep. going the same power level as original Eldraine wasn't the answer, but like pulling all the way back, I don't think that serves anyone all that well, but maybe I'm being biased. Yeah. Here. The only thing I'll say about that really quickly, 
just my my thought on that is that they probably here, here's how I would think about this like hierarchically going through what maybe happened is I imagine that they, when they thought about the standard environment that Eldraine made the first time, they realized that adventures were a big problem of it, right? Like mm-hmm. they were they were all kind of warping. Bone Crusher Giants the worst one, of course. So they they look at this set and they go, well, we have to make all the adventures worse. So that the standard environment that includes Eldraine, it's not like they could have one card that was a modern playable adventure. You know, you know what I mean? Because it would destroy standard. <laughs> so they were kind of like, well, adventure just has to be completely nerfed this time around so that the standard environment around it is fun, but, but it has to be all of them or nothing, basically. You know what I mean? Well, I'm not sure that I personally agree with this notion that like standard can just be about adventures again. Like it's been what four or five years, and now that we have the the longer standard rotation cycle, part of the reason that they stated that they're extending the rotation cycle is to give them more flexibility to print cards that respond to existing standards. Yeah. So if they find themselves in a situation where they made something a little too strong, now they actually have the opportunity to address it dead on without having to actually ban something, but but by actually printing something that does so. So yeah. I, I understand you're just a talking head right now, Dave, but I disagree. <laughs> Can I continue? People tune in for the controversy, so it's all right. Shane, what do you got? I've got I've got another Avenger. I'm oh, going to do a quick nice. two for probably, and they're both okay. Avengers actually. Okay. So, because one I don't think is that discussable. It's Hearth Hearth Elemental five and a red for a four five Elemental. Shane, that sounds bad, but wait, there's more. Uh, the spell costs X less, less to cast, where X is the number of cards in your graveyard that are instant, sorcery, and or have an adventure. That's some clumsy text. Uh, there's also an adventure. Stoke Genius for one and a red sorcery. You discard your hand, then draw two cards. You know, then it's an adventure zone. So Stoke Genius might dredge. I mean, it's, it certainly can dredge. It's, it's certainly, a card that's written for dre- for yes, in a dredge-type thing. But you know what else was? Is uh, a card called Dangerous Wager, which I believe was in uh, SOI. A- Avacyn Restore. Avacyn Restore, thank you. It's even that older. Is. That yeah. little set symbol always confuses me. Yeah, so this and, card is not in Pioneer. Like the uh, yeah, stro- yeah. Uh, it is in Dangerous Wager. Exactly. So, but that's at instant speed. And no one dredged with that, right? So, like... The, the benefit here is Hearth Elemental. And you could probably cast this fairly cheaply. Like Dredge usually runs about 20 uh, instant sorceries, etc. But is that enough of a benefit where you're like, hey, I'm getting like sort of an Ox of Agonis type thing, right? Where I discard my hand, I can Dredge off it, and then you know, probably pretty quickly I have a 4-5 or five on the board next turn or something like that. And it's like, uh Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's it's easier to cast on Throwing Discovery. You don't have to stretch into white. I think it's the only reason that that deck stretches into white because now it sort of has the blue for that one card that's escaping me. So it's a, that's a little Ox of Agonis joke, by the way. Yeah, the one card that's escaping me. Yes. Wow, good job. Uh, I've never dredged, but I agree that the fact that nobody seemed to ever experiment with Dangerous Wager makes me think that this is probably not it. 
you know? Yeah, it's just kind of a non-starter. But, I mean, I, I have seen people excited about this. Like, I was looking at other people's spoiler reactions. I think Devin had this card in his spo- in the video that he put up on YouTube recently that has kind of like another batch of cards that he liked for from Eldraine. I also feel like I've seen other people talk about it on Twitter. To me, I, I guess a 4-5 is for one mana is that useful in dredge is maybe what they're yeah, thinking because I mean, that's the only thing they have to be thinking in order to always helps to clock this. people yeah isn't that wouldn't that be the biggest creature in dredge i mean ox has counters ox is a five three when it comes back in i see it's it's a four two and then a five three. but i will say i do think that the extra toughness can of course be maybe more useful than the extra power sure because it's a little more resilient it's harder to get off the board you know you people are willing to trade things into an oxic i i don't know like dredge has been gone for so long that i guess i could see this body being just better than ox and some combination of ox and thrill uh thrilling discovery but I still i i had this i had the same feeling shame when I read this card and then I like looked around on Scryfall because I was like I'm sure this text exists discard your hand and draw <laughs> yeah. two cards I was like what else has this been printed on and then you I found it and then I saw in the notes that you had found it as well and I was just like I, if nobody ever tried this before like this effect is not that maybe this effect is not that great yeah like dredge, discarding your whole hand is like you know ostensibly seems good in dredge but there are some cards you might want to keep like you know a follow-up draw a spell or something like that so i don't know yeah i think people will try it i don't think it like breaks dredge wide open again you know what i mean yeah yeah it, all right what's the other card that oh yeah you and have? then the other one questing druid yes this is a one one human druid for one and a green and whenever you cast a spell that is white blue black or red so everything but green you put a one one counter on questing druid i don't remember ever seeing text like that before query on dryad okay is the tech is the, the effect of that so shane that sounds bad but there's also an adventure part seek the beast one in a red you exile the top two cards of your library and until your next end step you may play those cards so this is not like blowing my socks off knocking my socks off blowing my mind but i think it's like just flexible enough to see play in like adventure pioneer or like you know jund adventures maybe like you know decadent dragon some of the old strong eldraine adventure cards maybe some of the other cards in this set i think there's just like enough going on here or questing druid seems pretty good seems pretty flexible but i don't know it's not like an astounding card i think it's like a decent card i think this is a good card personally yeah, it's a good card. yeah th- and this is one of the cards that i was referring to when i said we need to go back and talk about some of the cards that were spoiled really early that we just didn't even think about last week because this is a card that is a good adventure it has a good spell on the front it gives a little bit of card draw to like a red green deck if you have a questing druid in play and you play seek the beast then it gets a counter off of it so like there's a little bit of internal synergy with multiples of this card and uh i don't know i th- i think this is just a reasonable card uh like you said, for Pioneer, probably some kind of mid-range. I don't think you have to play it with a bunch of other adventures and stuff like that. I think this could just go in some kind of mid-range deck, personally. But can yeah, I... That's all I got. Go ahead, Dave. Can I talk about another adventure, since we're continuing down this down this path? Uh, the, card, the other card that I thought was we kind of overlooked because it was spoiled so early is Mosswood Dread Knight, which is one in a green for a 3-2 with Trample. There's pretty good stats for one in green. And then it says, when Mosswood Dread Knight dies, you may cast it from your graveyard as an adventure until the end of your next turn. And its adventure is called Dread Whispers, which is a colorless and a black for a sorcery that says you may draw a card and you lose one life. So this is a card where you can cast the adventure, 
cast the creature. When the creature dies, you can recast the adventure and then cast the creature again. So it's like a, it's like an animatable. I think it's a reanimatable threat, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the way it's worded, I can't tell if you're casting dread whispers from the yard or you're just casting the human knight. You're casting dread whispers. That mean that's what okay. as an adventure okay. means. I I think. Yeah, as okay. an adventure. Sure. Yeah, I mean it's a it's an interesting it's this is like a this is a slow card. Yeah, this is like you know in like the Grim Flare Golgari mid range style of deck, but it definitely does grind. Yeah, and I think that's what it is. Obviously, the timing is a little weird because it's a sorcery, but I mean the idea that you can you can decide which way you want to go with it, and you don't lose access to the adventure when you play it as a creature because you get to do it again, or you just get to cast it over and over again, I think is pretty interesting and cool. And, and you're getting two cards off that adventure when you're playing it from the yard, right? Because you're getting the card from Whispers, and then you also have the creature to back it up. Exactly. Yeah, I, I don't think yeah, there's a it's, deck. It's, this draw, it's draw yeah. two, but you always get a Moss with Dread Knight. Right. Yeah. I don't think this card has a home exactly right now. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing that it clearly goes into. But I do think, again, if we're thinking about Pioneer Jund, Pioneer Midrange, like that kind of stuff, I think this could be a good card to help that archetype get a little better. Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a neat card. It's not yeah. blow, it's not blowing the doors off the house, but I think it's you know it's got potential. All right. So there's a lot of adventures we actually talked about this. Like I think we've talked mostly about adventures after after out. saying they're kind of crappy. Yep. Turns out there's some good ones. Why don't so. We just had to back up our explanation for why we think they're crappy well, by reading them out and yeah. discussing yeah. them and, and showing a little bit of hope and promise anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's still an adventure. It's still a two for one. It's still, you know, it still has two cards on one that you don't have to choose between them usually. So. All right. Stand. Since everybody else did a two for one, can I do a two oh, for? Oh, please. Real quickly. Yeah, please. Can we talk about Thunderous debut? <laughs> Let's talk about Bargain instead. Our oh. first episode. Yeah, Thunderous debut. <laughs> Let's talk about Thought Scour. Um, Thunderous debut, six colorless green green for a sorcery. It has bargain. Look at the top 20 cards of your library. You may reveal up to two creature cards from among them. If this spell was bargained, put the revealed cards onto the battlefield. Otherwise, put the revealed cards on into your hand, then shuffle. Yeah. Storm the Festival number five and six was kind of my <laughs> thought when I looked at this card. What are you sacrificing to it? Um, You're sacrificing either Oath of Nyssa or the ramp spell. Oh, yeah. The ramp enchantment. So there's eight enchantments. There's eight enchantments in that deck that you can sacrifice to this. And without even looking at some of the other things that maybe are possible to sacrifice to it as well. But it felt like, okay, so there's some internal synergy there. The cars are already there. If you want to have a few more Nick's payoffs, Nykthos payoffs in mono green this you know 20 cards deep is definitely deeper than the five cards deep that you get off of storm the festival i'm <laughs> not saying this would, i'm not saying this would replace storm the, F- the festival because that card is ab- absurdly good of course but maybe if you want a couple more and you want to be able to go get an ulamog and not care if you want to be able to go get your cityscape leveler and not care because i have seen a couple listed of cityscape leveler in them like you get to up the mana value of a couple of your payoffs if you go the deck with, with the deck like this to me, I don't know about cheating this into play any other way. You know, the other thing that I was thinking about with this is like, is this card kind of like creativity? 
at all. Like, is it is it some version of a creativity? But I don't think there's a way to cheat this card into play cheaply. But you could use it to get two combo pieces if you wanted to go that way as well, regardless of their CMC. So if you wanted to go and get, you know, a couple of things that are creatures that turn your team into all 2020 hasters being able to dig 20 to do that is pretty good, but I think that casting cost is prohibitive there, which makes me think this is only possible for like a Nykthos deck. Yeah. Like, I mean, you have to pay eight instead of six for Storm of the Festival. I know that that seems innocuous, even in like, you know, mono green ramp, but it's still more. But like you said, the benefit is super deep and the mana value doesn't matter. So you can, you can reflex your deck a little bit. So yeah, I see the pros and cons here. Yeah, but I do think it's an interesting, big, splashy green card, and we do generally skip talking about them, but I think this one was worth spending a minute on. Is there a set that we will not be like, hey, this artifact could see play in mono green Planeswalkers. This gigantic green creature could see play in mono green Planeswalker Wishboard. It's just like, man, there's always something, and I don't know how frequently it's actually been panning out recently, because the deck is just good, Yeah, as is. The deck's good, but... There's always something. There's I mean, it's not something. like we talked about Storm the Festival at the time that we, we did a good job talking about that when that card came out. So, Stan, it's your turn. Mm. Well, I don't know if this is as good as Storm the Festival or Thunderous <laughs> debut for that matter. But let's talk about Regal Bunnycorn. Kind of an interesting little two drop. It's a one and a white for a rabbit unicorn. Its power and toughness are each equal to the number of non-land permanents you control. So it's a star star. Stanislav, when you were in like grade school, were people still reading Bunnycorn, the little you know the little trade paperbacks? He was like, you know, is that a thing? I'm just thinking. Of, I'm thinking was, of Banicula. Is this a bit? It's a bit. I is was going to say, are you talking? Yeah, Banicula. Banicula. He was a vampire rabbit. He sucked the the stuff out of the vegetables out of carrots, white right? husks. Yeah. i don't remember bunnicula oh it's like a bunny dragon. do you remember uh, bunny corn though okay i mean bunny I, corn. I barely do and you just read the card to me tell me tell me why this is good if it's good i just think it's neat um <laughs> here here's why it is because it doesn't have to be a board full of creatures it could just be a board full of stuff I mean, that's why that's the so only think, reason it's good i think too i think that, that, that that's certainly noteworthy I don't know, like, isn't this, like, kind of an interesting alternative to a creature in auras that's, like, big, even if you don't have a bunch of auras on it, and, like, you just kind of have, like, two big bodies mm-hmm. because you suited up one? Yeah, it's, that's, that's an saying? interesting point. Yeah, you do get, like, weird things like the, um, you know, the, I forget the Amoncat card name, what's it called, Cartouche of Solidarity where you get a token mm-hmm. and you get an aura. So you get two for one there and then maybe your bunny corn gets bigger, you know, and then maybe sometimes you suit up the bunny corn and then it's, it's big and it counts the aura and it counts itself. So you get that like plus effect, you know, double basically from playing an aura on it. So um, maybe, I mean, I, th- I could see that being a thing that gives you a different access to attack on there. Cause sometimes auras and stuff like that, you do have a problem breaking through with a big threat when you just have a bunch of one ones or tokens or cartouches or the stuff that's sort of like, is supposed to be the grease of your deck and not really the, the threats, you know? Yeah. I think it's sort of tempting to compare this to Tarmogoy for a lot of people because it's just, you know, it's a star star where it's like equal to the number of something. But my, the, the reason that Goyf at least used to work, I think is because it synergized with what the deck was doing right? Like you're killing things, you're casting spells, you're fetching with your fetch lands, et cetera, et cetera. Right? And so Goyf was just sort of naturally big. And this is a 
payoff card in a very different way. So it's, I think the floor is a lot lower than Goyf and Shane, you say like, well, what if someone attacks your graveyard and like, well, they shouldn't be doing that against Tarmogoyf in the first place. But you know, it, it's not something that happens as frequently, whereas people can be killing your creatures or attacking your permanence in some way. And so I think the floor is lower, but this, like the ceiling I think is there for sure, but it's also kind of like my deck's already doing what it's supposed to be doing. So it's just sort of like, is it win more or is it just like, you know, it's a good permanent if my deck is doing at all what it's supposed to be doing. And I think that you can, you know, you can have six and one half dozen the other, or, you know, it's sort of a, a weird scale where it's like, Hey, simply because my deck is doing what it's doing doesn't mean I can't make that better. Right. There's a lot of decks that only win when they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and more permanents that help with that could be good. So I think this could see play in like Boros Convoke potentially. Like, you're not reliant on, like, a Burrows Convoke, or, excuse me, a Convoke creature, but, like, you're still taking advantage of the wide board, where it's still just like, hey, here's a cheap, efficient threat that when my deck is doing what it's doing, it makes it a little bit better if I can find the space for it. Brilliant. That, that's such yeah. a great call. I forgot about the Convoke deck. Yeah, I like this card in that that kind of idea, too, just because there's so many things that make multiple permanents there. All right. I got something. I got something. I think this card will see play. I don't know how much, but Royal Treatment... It's a green instant. Target creature you control gains hexproof until end of turn. Create a royal roll token attached to that creature, which is the one that gives it plus one, plus one, and ward one. So this means this is like a green slip out the black with ward one. Cheap sideboard, cheap sideboard card. We'll see play somewhere. Probably. So, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I wonder if it just kind of, because the buff is permanent, if we kind of have it replace... I mean, it gives Hexproof until the end of the turn, so that's good. And then in the future, it has extra protection, right? So just so you know, not that it matters because this card gives Hexproof, but if you give something Ward 1 at instant speed that doesn't do anything to something that's already targeted it, just keep that in oh. mind. Um, but this card gives Hexproof, so it did make me wonder a little bit if this kind of replaces... What's the card in... Um, what's the card from a Kaladesh that saw some play in Infect? Mm, you know, oh. gives plus two, plus two, and hexproof. Oh, or indestructible defense? blossom. Yeah, it's kind of like a blossoming defense where you get to keep the buff forever. So I feel like you know, in those kind of strategies, maybe there's a chance that this is good because it gives you the extra ward problem for a while. Yeah. Again, it's not it's not mind blowing. I think it's solid. Yeah. But I do think this is the kind of pump card that could be main deck not necessarily something that is oh sure like depending on the strategy sideboard yeah yeah that's probably one of the best roll cards as well i think too like i don't know if there are a ton that are are better than that but this one that gives ward does it instant speed gives hex proof all that kind of stuff i think is is nice all right let's see so i have a weird card to talk about so i have two cards to talk about real quick one is quick study which is two generic and a blue for an instant which just says draw two cards. I mean, people have talked about yeah. this this idea a lot of times. Like, what if divination was just an instant? Would that be playable? And I'm like, I I, I still don't think so. What if divination was an instant? Also, I would like I would like to note that there's a funny exchange in the notes here between me and Stan, where I think I literally fell asleep writing the notes for this <laughs> card. And my notes on this say many have tried and all have failed. I haven't quit believing. No, I, but this I have have it. 
I haven't quit believing, but this dot, dot, dot. And Stan's response is, I'm right there with you, David. Now, I, I'd like to know what you thought you were with me there on, where I, I don't know what I was thinking when I typed this up at one o'clock in the morning last night. Oh, yeah. I was just very sleepy. <laughs> me too. I think I was very sleepy. The sniff. The sniff. And that's what this card does to you. I, I'm right there with you that there's something here worth addressing and maybe it's not that this card is good but maybe it's like we actually have an instant speed true divination now so divination is just gone it's gone forever yeah, and also as as inspiration as well which was a four mana instant speed draw to that card has yeah. also been outmoded now I, I think the question here is when is this better than something like treasure cruise or memory deluge or uh, dig through time. Is it ever better than those cards? Like, I guess, like if you don't have a graveyard, is better than the delve cards. Mm -hmm. It's one mm -hmm. cheaper than Deluge, but Deluge gives you selection. Like instant speed draw two is good. Like we we see instant speed draw two see play. We see sorcery speed draw two see play in expressive iteration. But is there any yeah. reason we would ever want this though? For that, effect? I think at three mana, it's not good enough for constructed in any place we care about it is kind of the moral of the story, regardless of if it's yes. an instant or a sorcery, right? Unfortunately. It's not playable. I mean, this card is even more playable in a... in a. So this card is playable on a modal, where one of the modes is draw to, and the other modes do other things. Like, you know, that's Archmage's Charm, for, for example, has draw to, and then also other modes at three mana. Mm -hmm. That's a playable card. But just straight up draw two for three is not really playable, I don't think. I'm glad you brought this up, Dave. Is it just to like say, hey, Divination's better now and it's still not playable? Pretty much. I mean, because people love draw cards and people yeah. love instant draw cards. And I don't, you know, I think everybody was like, wow, Divination's just gone. And it's like, yeah, that's true. But that's a, it's an average card. And this is like also, I think, an average card as well. Stanislav, I kind of want to talk about one of the cards you put on your list. Please. And it is another adventure. This is one I think we could talk a little bit about because I'm not, I don't, it's like I'm, I see people say it's very good. I see people say it's not very good. I'm not sure where I stand. Woodland Acolyte, two and a white for a 2-2 two -two yes. human cleric. When an ETBs draw a card, okay, fine. Uh, and then it has an adventure. Mine, mend the Wilds, green instant. You put target permanent card from your graveyard on top of your library. So this is, again, another example, I think, of like the fixed adventures where like the cheap spell is something you don't want to cast early. Like you're not going to fill your curve with Mend the Wilds to like then go into Woodland Acolyte. You would want that more late game. Uh, and, but like the Acolyte side is what, like Wistful Selkie, like, you know, three mana draw card, NBD, uh, not like the, the best thing in the world. But I think people are looking at the Mend the Wilds and saying like, okay, cool. Like I can get something back from the graveyard on top of my library. It might be good in creature combo strategies because you know permanent does not include spells so this is not like an e-witness you know it's not an e-wit effect it doesn't get any card back doesn't get a land doesn't get a um no actually it doesn't get a land because it's permanent it doesn't get spells so that's really about it is like i think that this has some opportunity to like do something but it's just like overall not ridiculously strong on either end so you can't. You also can't like mess your opponent's draw up with the with the instant. Like it's only your library. I put something on theirs. So yeah, that yeah. would be that would be something. 
I, I think you're right that this is worse than Eternal Witness, which probably I mean, I means so. in... I'm guessing like in modern, we would always rather play Eternal Witness, but in Pioneer, where we like the only real fetch we have is Fable, Mend the Wilds, like you're so rarely getting actual lands from it. So what are we getting? Yeah. What permanents are we getting with Mend the Wilds in Pioneer other than just like a creature to, to have gas? Like it's just probably just G instant draw a creature card. From your yeah. yard. I mean, you can get an adventure back. You can, because those are creatures, right? So you could get an adventure that you like and cast and used and died, and you can get that, start that whole thing rolling again. But my but, point, though, that it just gives it a little less utility. Like it, it actually narrows what this card can get based on the format that we're playing it in. If the format that yeah. we're playing it in seldom puts creature, or seldom puts lands into the graveyard. Yeah. I do think it's like actually pretty good, though. A three drop. That draws a card, uh, instant speed, put something from your graveyard on top of your library. Could be good. It's very safe. Like I am I wish they would like maybe buffed with Lenacolite a little bit, but like, you know, Wistful Sulky is not a card I'm excited to play. I feel like Mend the Wilds is conditional. I think it like it has to be in a very specific deck. But I do think that like white green are the colors where this deck would exist. So I think it can potentially do something. I don't think it's you know, it's not blowing my mind, but not I mean, what if it's though. just humans where you like you get well a lord back or one of your good payoff cards back after they kill it, and then you play this and it gets buffed by something. You know, buffs your uh, you get you, you know it gets buffed by Talia's lieutenant or something. I mean, this card's too expensive for like mono white humans, for example. So it'd be more of a different thing. But yeah, I, I guess much like Stomp into Bone Crusher Giant, it's like oh well, Stomp costs two mana, it only does two damage, and it's like well it's because it's also stable to a creature. And so it's like, a, it's important for me to remember remind myself that, Hey, man, the wilds is also stable to a creature that can get played and also draws another card. So like, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. But just to be clear, I mean, yes, this, the front side of this does draw a card, but man, the wilds is not a card draw. No, no, no. I like, meant, I meant the, the ETB. Yeah. Of meant the ETB. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's half of a card draw, David. Is that what people like I don't to say? I think that, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's half of a card draw because it's, an adventure, but no other reason. Yeah. We, we were talking earlier about how the previous adventures kind of defined standard in a bad way at the time. The more we talk about the set, the more I feel like that's just going to happen again. It's just the adventures are just going to be weaker, but <laughs> they're still going to be like, I'm, I'm guessing what standard is going to be about just because right. like having adventures on creatures is, is good. Guys, let's take a quick break come back finish up a few cards i think we might have left to talk about kind of finish our thoughts about the set overall so why don't you all stay with us extra extra read all about it <laughs> soaps on sale soaps on sale actually a little bit more than soaps but primarily barrister man has their hand and body soap, a bunch of the fragrances, it looks like about 15 or so, are on 25% off sale. Some of my favorite things, the uh, Le Grand Chipre, La Vanille, uh, Full Measure of Man, Waves, oh man, you gotta get the waves, and also just a few of the aftershave splashes and things like that. But what, you guys love the soaps. You guys talk I about do. the soaps a lot. And one of the things... 
I want to say about the soaps is that I didn't even realize this, but these are vegan. They do not use any animal fats. So this is a vegetable bar soap. Uh, the palm oil is responsibly sourced and has certified origin. It has olive oil, avocado oil, uh, moisturizing kupasu, kupasu butter, and goat milk mm. powder. So I guess it's not vegan. I apologize. It's vegetarian. So this is just a extremely moisturizing, extremely like soft soap. I really like the soaps a lot too. Uh, what are your favorite smells of the soaps? Because I know we get a bunch from Will over at Barrister Man. I'm a big fan of Bay Rum. That's there. And, it's on sale. And Fern on as sale. well. Those are my those are my favorite of the soaps in addition to just kind of this uh, Seville and stuff like that. There's also the big things that are on like good clearance, like stream clearance here on uh, oh, Will's site. Oh, beard oil is too. Uh, yeah, there's an aftershave splash, Atomic Holiday aftershave I splash. Love, and red. love that. Red Letter Day aftershave splash is half off. The Atomic Holiday on is like is three quarters off. It's five dollars instead of twenty dollars. So if you want to get into some of that kind of stuff, it can be a good time to pick that up as well. Yeah, Atomic Holiday is one of my just favorite fragrances. Like I kind of use it almost like as like a cologne. I just really like Atomic Holiday. The reason that it's a quarter of its normal price is Will said they just made way too much. Like the, the, ah. pe the people that made it like just like overproduced by quite a bit. So he's just like, I've I got all this atomic holiday. Take it off my hands. Yeah. Take my helmet. Atomic holiday, please. please. If Stan, what's your favorite? soap? Oh yeah. What do you like, Stan? Well, lavender, Hill, man. Uh, yeah, but they have just like regular lavender, which is good. They also have the cootie killer liquid hand soap, which is a really nice smelling hand soap. Comes with like a little push, Pump thing and squirts out. Yeah, yeah, it comes with a pump, and also muir muir wood is on sale. Oh yeah, it is. So you can get where we're going at with this. There's a lot of soaps. There's a lot of things that are on sale. Barrister and Man, awesome selection of shaving soaps, body soaps, fragrances, and more, as we like to say. So if you want to go over and save 15% off of your first order, go to Barrister and Man. Use code the Dive Down Twenty Three. For 15% off that order, let's Will know you came through the dive down, and we appreciate it. All right, we are back. Stanislav, you have a very interesting card on this list, and I'm like, this card's boring. Oh, but wait, it's now in Pioneer. And Standard. That's right. We've cast it. We've cast it before. But I don't know if I have, honestly. The Royal We have cast Sleight of Hand. <laughs> Single blue sorcery. Look at the top two cards of your library. Put one of them in your hand, the other on the bottom of your library. Modern players, we got Preordain. Pioneer players, they get Sleight of Hand. We... Puts everything into perspective if you think of it that way. Yeah, so what? This is like additional opt and consider type stuff? Yeah, I think this is like the third good one mana cantrip in Pioneer. Because we have opt, we have consider. We're not playing Quicken. Is it better than either of those, really? Or is it like just like, hey, this is more? And I, I could like, you know, maybe replace like a, I don't know, charter course or whatever. Like, cons I don't know all the cards in there. Considerate planning, mm -hmm. like fateful days. Well, char you mean strategic planning? <laughs> yeah, Just sure. making up card names? I'm just making yeah. up cards, yes. The, 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 it's kind of, it's hard to compare this against those two in particular because they put birds in the yard. Consider just two, theoretically. I, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm reluctant to like say is it better or worse than than consider or opt because those are instant speed, but this looks at two, so you get a little bit of like upfront selection. 
I think it's just good for like consistency. It doesn't have to be Phoenix either though. Like this could just be in thing in the ice decks. Yeah. Or demolish yeah. decks. You know, there's other spells payoffs now. The otters. other thing that's really it, weird this, about this. This could just be an is it otters? Yeah. The other thing that's weird about this and maybe relevant in a world that sometimes has a lot of shieldred is this doesn't actually draw a card. So just yes. keep in mind, you, you put the card in your hand. You don't, you don't draw it. So you, you do avoid that uh, trigger for what it's worth, if it matters. I don't know. Um, I guess in my mind, I always thought that this card was worse than opt because it's a sorcery effect. Like this was always mm-hmm. the like third one that would get played in storm. You know what I mean? Like once, once we had access to all those other things or I, I, I guess it's storm has been so long ago. I don't remember really, but this feels like it's better in a combo deck where you really, really want to see two cards for some reason and less good in like a Phoenixy type deck where maybe you want to be at instant speed more, but maybe you really want to see two cards in Phoenix. So I, I don't know. Like usual, these things are really hard to parse. I think there's yeah. going to be some decks that want sleight of hand. There's going to be some decks that want opt, and there's going to be some decks that want consider. And there'll be some that want two of them, but I don't think they're ever going to see one that wants all three, right? Because <laughs> that's a lot of error. Yeah, or like deck. just maybe like a few of sleight of hands or something like that. Don't Bring forget, like though, 10. that we also have... Um, oh my god, I can't believe I forgot the card that never sniffed modern play, but was really good in Legacy, the blue... Brainstorm? Yeah. Flipping... Like the creature that turns into a three-two flyer, Delver. We have Delver and Pioneer. Mm. We have eight copies of Young Pyromancer. Basically, we even have Dreadhorde Arcanist. So, like, we have a lot of ways to turn one mana air into bodies, stuff. threats, yeah, stuff, value. But I think even in that case, trying to build one of those decks, I don't know if you can play twelve <laughs> cantrips. You know what I mean? But maybe you want slight a hand in that one because because you're going to recast it with arcanist so you don't care about it being sorcery speed kind of thing you know mm-hmm. there you go so notable yeah. questionable it's probably another tool in your tool belt but i don't think it changes anything for anybody really dave you should bring your magic deck in a tool belt you just like yeah. have four or five of them yeah for your next tournament. i do have i do have that it's a heavy play. I've been working with Randy on it. It's the heavy play tool belts. <laughs> with magnets. That's right. With magnets attached. It's just a bunch of magnets on a belt that you attach your deck boxes to. Randy, you can use Ooh, that idea if you want to. Good idea. Go for yeah. it. I'm going to make Go that. I'm going to custom make that. What else do we have here? Anything? What, what's left on this table of cards in front of us for which we are Rochester drafting? Well, I think there's one weird card to talk about that I actually think there's has some chance to see. one weird card. One, this is kind of a weird card that I actually think has a chance to see modern play. It is. Up, up the beanstalk for a generic and a green. <laughs> make, make, up the beanstalk. Up your beanstalk. <laughs> it's not an insult. It's an enchantment that says when up the beanstalk enters the battlefield and whenever you cast a spell with mana value five or greater, draw a card. So you get to draw a card when it comes into play, which I think is uh, pretty much everything with this card. And then also, when you get to do something like Evoke Solitude, yep, you, yep, get yep. To, you get to draw a card. When you play a Fury, you get to draw a card. You know, obviously, I think there's stuff that could make this work in modern, especially those decks that were sort of Karuga style. Oh, the Leyline like qualifies for this, doesn't it? Yeah, Leyline Binding qualifies for it as well. So there's all these cards in modern right now where like cheap cards used to be what everybody did. And like that was how you could 
that's how you could kind of identify a modern playable card. Now it's cards with extensive cost reduction or alternate casting costs that I think are kind of like a big part of it now. So yeah, it's a five mana card, but I actually cast it for one. And this card really pays you off for that the same way Karuga does. Um, so maybe there's something in that space where you start with a Karuga style deck that you uh, just have up the beanstalk instead of Karuga. You get to draw cards when it comes into play. It's a persistent draw effect. And obviously you don't get to play Karuga because up the beanstalk is only two mana. Oh, I was going to say, like, are you posting like the Karuga likes like laser eye gif, but you are not? I mean, I think you're posting that gif, but maybe Karuga also has to like sit this one out. <laughs> Yeah, it's a cool card. Um, I think it's it's in a very specific type of deck potentially, or maybe it's just like, hey, this is a value add, and like, you know, are you saying like maybe Omnath or like Bring the Light type stuff, or what? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anything that's running a bunch, a grip of a bunch of evoke elementals. I mean, five is a, a lot of mana, but if you're playing Leyline Binding and you're playing Solitude, you know, you probably have a couple more things that fit in there with five. Then you can play this, and you can kind of go from there. And this even rewards you. It's not just permanence, it's any spell. So like you said, if you cast Bring to Light, you get to draw a card. But again, the only reason I think this is possible is because this also draws a card itself when it ETBs. Do you think uh, an original Eldraine sort of flash? (laughs) Maybe. It would be free if it was on the first turn. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Two words for you, David. Hooting Mandrills. Oh, sure. Yeah. And the Blowfish. Climbing that beanstalk, those Hooting Mandrills. Yeah. Do you say uh-huh. blowfish? What what fish? Hootie. Oh, ho- ho- hootie. Hootie and the blowfish. And the blowfish. I mean, you draw a card off of Murktide Regent with this, you know? Climb if you ever wanted to do that. Beanstalk. All right. Yeah. That's up the beanstalk. Sweet. Get up this beanstalk, everybody. Get on board the beanstalk. The SS beanstalk. <laughs> can, can we briefly talk fairies? There's, there's a lot of fairy stuff in this set. And I think one of the most interesting ones is Sleep Cursed Fairy. Mm-hmm. Single blue mana for a 3-3. Shane, that sounds great. But wait, there's more. It has flying and ward too. Shane, that sounds even better. <laughs> oh, no. It ETBs <laughs> tapped with three stun counters on it. It's uh, a lot of stun which, counters, which buddy. If it would become yeah. untapped, remove a stun counter from it instead. So what does that mean? So you, if, if there's nothing else, okay, and you can pay one in the blue to untap Sleep Cursed Fairy. Okay. So it ETBs as three stun counters. That means... Uh, Turn one, turn two, uh, remove a stun counter. Turn three, remove a stun counter. Turn four, remove a stun counter. Turn five, untap. Correct? Correct. Stanislav. Also also worth noting, if you're paying one in a blue and it has a stun counter on it, it doesn't untap. It just removes a stun counter. Yes, exactly. Right. So that's actually an interesting thing, right? So you could sink some mana into this if you're playing this late, which is kind of like an interesting line here, right? Where it's like, hey, if you have extra mana around, you can sort of like get those stun counters off quickly but you know you end up with what a one mana three three or a one two three four five seven mana three three flyer with ward two yeah i also think it's worth noting that that i I don't know if that's the full extent of the line you're talking about because you're you left one thing out which is that you can pay the activated ability at instant speed of course so if you're playing a deck with counter spells you can leave the yes. mana open or a deck with flash creatures. Yes. You can leave the mana open and be like, hey, okay, at the end of turn two, I'm going to have a Sleep Curse Fairy in play. I'm going to pass my turn. I'm going to have an instant and yes. I'll decide in you, my opponent's end step if I want to take a stun counter off of it or if I want to do something like flash in a creature or counter a yes. spell or something like I that. I love all this. this you're, you are neatly 
segueing into kind of like why this card's on the list, right? Which is like, this is a one mana fairy spell synergy enabler that also is a pretty significant threat if you have the ability to work with it early, right? So it's a cheap enabler. It's a strong flyer for a cheap cost just to like get it on the board in the first place. And then you have all this kind of shenanigans you can play. So it's, I think it's a perfect card for like, you know, a fairy tempo-y, you know, demure fairies type thing maybe, right? Where I think you can have a lot of fun playing this card and it just can beat down if you need to. So like an example is like spell stutter, which is like a, you know, it's basically the spell stutter sprite thing without the, the creature. It's just a one blue instant. And it's kind of like a what rune snag effect, but you know they pay an additional one mana for each fairy you control. So like you know no one's playing rune snag in modern, but maybe there's some potential in like pioneer fairies for like a mana leak style effect. There are a bunch. There's like a lot of fairies when I was looking at the list, and we can't talk about them all. Where it's yeah. just like, hey, here's this blue black flash uh, fairy with flying, and whenever another fairy ETBs, each opponent loses a life, and it's a 2-2. Or there's yeah. like, you know, there's just a lot of stuff like that, where you have a lot of play, and like the disruption, we talked about that black removal spell, so fairy that's, fencing. Super, that's super strong. And there's a di- and there's a Thoughtseize, there's a card that becomes Thoughtseize if you, if you have a fairy in play. Yeah, and I, I think this is definitely like a huge piece to that deck. I don't know how good it is, but you will 100% see a day one on the arena ladder or in like probably a pioneer league or like the tournament practice room or something. Yeah. I kind of wish they would decide what blue black, what they want blue black to be like tribally in pioneer. It's yeah. like rogues. Like this would go great with a lot of rogues, but the rogues aren't fairies, right? I mean, most rogues aren't fairies. There are some fairy rogues, but yeah. you know, I, I like this card too. And I think it has a lot of potential to do interesting things and we'll see if it's good or not. Yeah. And then you mean you go up the curve to like a stronger, you know, like a if you're going more control, like you have like Talion the Kindly Lord, which is a card I've heard people talk about. Two blue black for a legendary fairy noble with flying. It's a three four. When it ETBs, you choose a number between one and ten, and whenever an opponent casts a spell with mana value, power, or toughness equal to the chosen number, that player loses two life and you draw a card. So I didn't even really notice this was a fairy when I was looking at this last week, but and I'm not really sure this effect is any good. Like it's when you're behind, it kind of sucks maybe. And there's a lot of variance to keep you ahead, but like, this is the kind of thing that you can potentially close your opponent down or just make it impossible for them to really cast their hand. Uh, and you drawing a card is bonkers. So there's a lot of like interesting options here. So I think, I think fairies has some, has some potential. I mean, the one mana one is the best part yeah, of sure. all this. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think this enabler. Lord is, yeah, I think this Lord is not very good, but yeah, me either. interesting card. All right. I've got a weird card Please. to talk about. Collector's Vault. Two colorless for an artifact that says two generic tap it, draw a card, then discard a card, create a treasure token. This is a weird card. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a great discard enabler, colorless discard enabler if you want to be able to loot for some reason with something that can't be killed as a creature and that, you know, theoretically can be used the turn it's played if you have enough mana. And then also for some reason, it just makes treasure tokens for two mana, <laughs> which I don't think we have a lot of things that make treasure tokens. for. Uh, uh, for yeah. Like, I don't know artifacts. if we have a lot of tools for, for repeatable treasure tokens like this. Yeah. Yeah. 
I have no idea what kind of thing this goes in. This feels like a card that could be not broken, but an extremely good synergy piece of some kind of deck that is super annoying to play against. I have something similar to that, Dave, unless you want to keep going down this road. I don't I don't have more to say about it. I was hoping you guys would take the ball, but no, I got nothing you guys are just acknowledging. <laughs> yeah, you guys are just like, yeah, this card does seem like it exists. Card- it does seem like it could do something. It certainly is a printed piece of cardboard. And as yeah. is Candy Trail, which is a one-mana artifact food clue. When it ETBs, you scry two. Then you can two, tap, sack, gain three life, and draw a card. Again, not bonkers. But it could be like a saga target in John Sagavan is what I was yeah. hearing, like to replace like the Mishra's research desk thing. But you can't unearth this like you can the desk, but like you can you don't have to play the card within like a certain certain short window of time like the desk. Right. I think there's potential for this like in Urza decks, potentially. It's just cheap. It does something. It, it fixes your draw with the scry two. It's a food and a you know clue type thing. So it's just like this is very flexible, cool card. I don't know if it does yep. anything. Yep. All right. Anything else on the list that we want to talk about before we try to like wrap up some thoughts here, Stan? Is there anything on your list that you still? Oh, there are a couple of things, right? Yeah, I think we should talk. Maybe yeah. There's like the, the virtue cycle we never touched. I don't know if there's anything there. Well, virtue of persistence is the one that I think is the most interesting on paper 5bb for an enchantment at the beginning of your upkeep put target creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control note that is any graveyard and then it has the adventure of lockthwain scorn one in a black for a sorcery target creature gets minus three minus three until end of turn you gain two life seems good jerry yeah yeah i mean it's tough to know where yeah well, I think this is like a good card for coffers where it's a removal spell early. And then when you have coffers online, you just have like a really strong win condition potentially. That just brings back Shieldred over and over again, for example. Isn't yeah, that the, or, or, or those what, are like the other creatures, been, right? But it's any graveyard. So whatever you've been killing on your opponent's uh, side or, or making them discard with your Lilianas, for instance, you're getting back to be threats of, of your own. Yeah. No, I think that makes a ton of sense. This seems like something that people would definitely try in that deck in some quantity, mostly because it's removal that, you know, it's removal plus a uh, win con. Yeah. I also kind of like the red one for what it's worth. What's that one? Virtue of Courage. Whenever a source you control deals non-combat damage to opponent, you may exile that many cards from the top of your library and play those cards this turn. And then it has a stomp, basically. It deals two damage to any target on the adventure side for two mana for a generic and a red. And so it synergizes with itself. You know, it's not that expensive. It's five CMC. It's on the cheaper end of these virtues and it helps a deck that maybe tends to run out of steam, you know, burn potentially not run out of steam anymore. If you resolve it. And I can't believe I'm saying that maybe (laughs) a burn deck might put a five mana enchantment in there, but at least it's a, it's a bad shock on the front side. And I, I don't think modern burn, but maybe, you know, maybe this is something that you try out in a, in a kind of pioneer kind of low powered burn kind of vibe. See what happens to you. So you would run that over like a bedlam reveler type thing. Yeah. Pro- I mean, yeah. And you probably would only run a couple of these cause you don't really want the shock. You don't really want the other side, but it seems powerful. I'm kind of out of cards. Stanislav, anything else you want to talk about before we get to kind of our uh, top of the set? Tops of the set? Yes, one last one. 
Sentinel of Lost Lore. This is all I you, man. I think this... Ca- <laughs> Sentinel of Lost Lore. One green green for an elf knight. It's a 3-4. When it enters the battlefield, choose one or more. It rhymes. <laughs> Return target card you own in exile that has an adventure to your hand. So if you've cast an adventure card and it's on an adventure, you can just redraw it. Or put target card you don't own in exile that has an adventure on the bottom of its owner's library. Or exile target player's graveyard. Why not? I love that they just tacked on graveyard hate. Just like, sure, you can just have like the extra mode. Yeah, they've determined that that the... the, um opportunity cost for including exile target players graveyard is very low on lots of cards at this point in magic's <laughs> yeah. magic's design yeah so when adventures were in standard last there was a teamer adventures deck that i think was the best deck in the format at the time mm-hmm. or for a time at least yeah and it never really went beyond standard though pioneer did exist then and i wonder if it's a card like this that can maybe actually bridge the adventure deck that used to exist in standard with something that's actually pioneer playable because it can let you just replay your best adventures and exile opponents graveyards in the process. Yeah. I mean, this is like extremely safe. It's like sort of like, Hey, this is doing enough where it's likely going to see some kind of play, but like, this is like a, this would be almost like a new build around, right? Where it's like, you would have to be in an, been in, in an environment where you wanted to recast the spell side of an adventure, or it's an adventure meta where you know that you probably have some play to, you know, make, stop your opponent's adventure card on the spell side of it resolve, or excuse me, on like the creature, I think they're all creatures mostly. So yeah, on the permanent side. And just exiling graveyards, gravy too. And a 3 4 for 3 is not the end of the world. It's a perfectly serviceable card. So it's like, hey, you know, I, I see it, right? Where it's like, this can see play, but I think it requires the right building around or environment in which to have some power. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like then. it. Stan is a way to yeah, do exactly what you're saying. I do think there's a funny fringe case where, like, if somebody exiles your adventure card themselves like when it's in play you just get to bring the whole thing back so like the way it's written is like oh you cast a spell and you want to recast the spell cool this not this sentinel can help you do that but it's also i mm. think if someone ley line binds your your yeah. permanent <laughs> you can just go get or, it back yeah or that the white path to exile aura i leyline binding no well enchant a mountain you control oh uh yeah chain to the, the rocks yeah yeah that's pretty funny yeah i think this card is a total good like role player in an adventure heavy deck for sure all right guys this set is is not that exciting i mean i know we just talked about like 20 cards we keep saying this don't we Were, were we more excited with previous standard sets I don't even know anymore. I mean, we. I feel like we <laughs> talked more about this set than we have about a lot. And I think a lot of these cards are kind of very medium. It's very kind of much, this could create a new pioneer build around, right? Like a few cards we think have some modern play. I think it's fine to have a standard set have a good pioneer impact more than modern. We just had some big modern impact that we're still wrestling with. I don't necessarily need to have like five cards from a standard set go into modern every time. So... Yeah, I mean, I th- I think overall, maybe it's after like the 
the fire design of the last set where it's just kind of like, man, these adventures seem pretty safe. There's a couple that seem potentially okay. They do one damage for, you know, one mana or something like that, or they bounce a spell at sorcery speed for two mana. And it's like, are we supposed to be excited about this stuff? And I think we found a way, but I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's the theme. Maybe it's like the, maybe it's the fact that there wasn't like a really cool 3d video that I saw at least where it's like, you know, <laughs> remember those when they were doing like the, the two gingerbread doing people, the cool 3d videos, yeah. what happened to the 3d videos, the trailers. I think they still do the them strikes. sometimes. The strikes. It might be the strikes happen. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that this will do something different than I expect, honestly. And I think that there are, I think there's some cards that might be pretty, pretty interesting and pretty cool. And I think there's some cards that'll be interesting role players. I'm hoping there's like new decks that get made, um, you know, like some kind of adventures deck and pioneer or something like that would be really cool. Or fairies would be cool and annoy me, but do you guys want to do superlatives? Let's do it. Let's do a few superlatives. Time? We got a long list here. I don't know if we. I got. I don't know if I have answers for all of these, but we yeah. we can do. Yeah, Dave. How about you? But. You pick the one. You you pick the superlatives that you that you like. So superlatives for the those one. who don't recall, and <laughs> you may remind remember them from high school yearbooks, where it's just like best smile, class clown, oh, oh, most most likely to to be broken. Yeah, I yeah, want most best facial be a hair broken in high school. <laughs> So we came up with a handful of That's what best facial hair, the subtext was actually, Stan, was most likely to be a broken person. <laughs> most yeah. likely to work at Why is he shaving center. in junior high school? <laughs> I, I mean, I did. What can you say? All right. So let, let's start. Best card. Best, best card overall. Like, what do you guys think is your, your oh, pick man. for the most impactful card in the set? I have a boring answer and a fun answer. Uh, I'm, uh, here's what I'm saying, though. Impactful card in the set. I'm not saying the most card, the card that's going to be played the most, because I do think we can all agree that the card that's likely going to be played the most is not dead after all, right? In, in modern, all, for sure. Oh, sure. Yeah. Between modern and pioneer, I think it might be the yeah. card that's played the most. Okay, here I think the most impactful card might be Agatha's Soul Cauldron, because I think there's so many weird options, so many weird interactions that people are coming up with. I. I think at least in terms of gameplay impact, like to the culture and fabric of the game, Agatha's Soul Cauldron will make an impact for a couple weeks. If it sticks around, that will be fun and interesting. But I think Agatha's Soul Cauldron is probably the most interesting brewable card in the set. Hmm. I agree with that for what it's worth. I don't even have a different answer for that. Wow. What do you like, Stanislav? Well, there's, there's the card I want... Like, I want it to be an interesting, cool creature card. Like, I want it to be something like Talion, which we didn't talk about. I don't think you guys talked about last week either. Maybe I'm not remembering. But Talion, the kindly lord, the four mana fairy noble flying. When it oh, enters, you choose we just a number between about, one and ten. You remember when I talked we about that? We just talked about remember that a minute I was, ago. When I was talking about fairies, maybe you, maybe you were distracted because I was talking about fairies. So, it wasn't that yeah. interesting. Yeah. Actually, agree. well, my, my internet went out and you were, I, I just didn't hear anything and you guys were frozen and I was just kind of like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> twiddling like, my cool. thumbs. Yeah. But no, I want it to be Talion because I just think like it's an interesting design space and I want cards that are doing something that are novel on like a kind of a scary must kill creature. Like that's, that's what I want out of my most impactful cards rather than like interaction or combo pieces. 
What's your favorite adventure, Stan? I think it's just the Viper. <sighs> Still. Scalding Viper? Still. With yeah. the sorcery speed. Yeah. A, a bad bounce and a bad snake. You like that more than the otter? A... Or the dragon? Well, I don't think the dragon's very good. Yeah, it might not be. Yeah. I, I think the dragon's a little too expensive. I don't like the green otter because it, it seems like a doesn't have like an obvious home and at least he's a blue otter with a green adventure yeah yeah and then the flying otter is is close it's close i just think this is probably probably a better card because the creature costs two and like does stuff like the this has the the bone crusher like static ability almost of like even if they kill the snake it's dealing damage to them so i just feel like this could be a sneaky good like a like a snake often is. Dave, do you like any of these adventures? The ones like the 20 we talked about? Uh, I mean, I like the, I like the otters that we talked about. I think they're pretty good. I, I thinking about it now, I like the, I like the mono black virtue that Stan just pointed out to me, especially when you think about putting it in to coffers. I actually think that's, there's a, a decent chance that that becomes a card that we see a bit then. I think those are the best one. I mean, I like the black, the black, the green, black knight, mm-hmm. but I brought up the Mosswood mm-hmm. knight, red knight or whatever. I think there's a chance that that does some stuff as well. So I guess maybe the thing that I think is actually the best adventure though, is probably the mono black virtue, which is wow. weird to say. I didn't, I didn't think I was going to come into the today saying that, but after we just talked about it, I feel like it's kind of a slam dunk to do something cool. That's interesting. Best token maker. In a set full of food and other stuff. Is there anything more than Tough Cookie? Like, Tough Cookie I'm, is really good. Tough Cookie is super good. I'm going to go with Collector's Vault, which I just talked oh, yeah. about, because it makes treasures. Yeah. And that seems mm-hmm. busted, but... I, I think Tough Cookie is good enough to be, like, to make a whole new deck. Like, or, like, or make a, a an old deck revamped around it, or something like that. Like, just, it's it's good. It does a lot with the token. Is this the one that you guys woke me up in the middle of the night when you mentioned scissors? Yes. Yes. And I, and, and I had to like burst out of bed and <gasps> explain to my wife. Just came, came with life. Like <gasps> being two for one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think it's good. I have, I have a curveball yeah. for this, for this answer. I, this is a card that we did not talk about. And it's kind of like a, a weird way to describe a token maker, but it's spell book vendor. Yeah. One one in a white human peasant vigilance two two at the beginning of comment on your turn you may pay a single generic man and when you do create a sorcerer roll token attached to target creature you control. And the sorcerer, I think that's one one and ward one? Yes. No, 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 that's royal. Uh it's sorcerer roll is scry scries. one? Yeah. It's scry one it attacks. Yep, scry one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think this card is interesting because it can make it, doesn't it make one like every turn? So if you have a bunch of creatures, it just keeps putting putting those on top of yes. each other. Also. Yeah, and it could target itself why, too. Why does this card have vigilance? That's the funniest thing to me, like thematically. It's like, I sell books. I'm a vigilant bookseller. <laughs> like that's very strange to me, but okay. Librarians tougher than you think. I, you've shown many times over the years that librarians are tougher than, than you think. Conan the, the Librarian. That's me. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I mean, I think there's, yeah, I, I think this is cool. I wish it made my creatures, uh, I don't know. Scrying is just like such a weird ability to like have on that aura, but plus one, plus one doesn't hurt. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What's the last, last superlative we want to hand out here? Mm. Do you think anything's going to get banned? 
Do you think anything's good enough? I think there's some cards that Besiege the Mirror could be banned in Legacy. Um, well, that seems like quite a quite outside of our realm yeah. of, of expertise. But I'm going to go back to Agatha Soul Cauldron for a second, right? I think I think there's enough weird crap with this card. Um, I mean, it is an artifact that has to be on the board to like do what it's going to do. But like, I just have seen so many weird options people have where it's like, yeah, you exile this, and like all of a sudden this combo exists, or you know, all, all of your creatures are walking ballistas or something like that. And it's like, well, maybe that's good. I don't know. Like, there's just a lot of like interesting potential here. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen, but I think like I'm, I'm watching that space. Like I'm not going to brew with this card. It's not my thing. I don't, I don't want to jump through the hoops like that, but I, other people definitely do. Yeah. Um, not, not that after all could make something else get banned. Like if it, let's say it just makes scam even a few percentage points better. Like maybe, maybe Watsy will have to act. I don't know. So I think in that situation, they'd probably just ban a, yeah, they're not going to ban, they would not ban this card. They're not going to ban not dead after all. They're not banning yeah nor grief like i think they're banning like undying evil or some something yeah i don't think anything beyond those could possibly be banned all right overall interesting set potential impact potential build arounds i'm mildly excited um i think people who play i i guarantee that this will have a bigger arena impact than it will in paper. Yes, I like what you're saying there. I think because our our reaction to the set is a little muted, I think this is the type of set that like is positioned to surprise us. That's true. I mean, we've done this so many times now, and we're so often a little bit wrong about the impact of these sets. And we're like, oh my god, we missed the like one mana spell that does X, that blah blah blah. But yes, I don't really see something like that here. But uh, I do think Agatha's Soul Cauldron is like a lot of yeah. stuff. <laughs> I think we, we boiled the ocean pretty well in this set. Like, I think we definitely have, we've been through a lot of sets together, like in, you know, four and a half, four and three quarters years. I think we have had sets I've definitely have had less to say about, you know, even though mm-hmm. I think that I'm not super excited about this. I think there's a lot of cards we talked about that all have something going on. So let's see what happens. Let's do it. And with that, that wraps up this week's show. If you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you get the latest episodes as soon as they come out. And if you use Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and review. If you'd like to submit a question to our podcast or reach out in general, you can tweet us at the dive down, all one word, or email the dive down at gmail.com. If you'd like to support our show, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash the dive down. You can also check out our store at the dive slash store. Also, shout out to Mana Traders for sponsoring the dive down. Use promo code the dive down. 2023 to get 10% off your first two months of renting magic online cards and head over to heavyplay.com to get some incredible deck and dice boxes and play mats featuring the equip mag system use promo code the dive down 2023 there as well for 10% off your first order also get some amazing shaving soaps body soaps fragrances and more at barrister and man using the dive down 23 for 15% off your first order and then save some money on paper cards over at Nerd Rage Gaming with code DIVE8 for 8% off your order with them. As always, special thanks to the bands Nowhere in Spaceblood for letting us use their music. And until next week, get out there and explore the wilds of Eldrake!
Shane, you want to see something cool? Mm, is it is it a Pokemon card? How dare you put those in your heavy play box? Heavy play is only for magic. This is it's slight. I have to admit, Stan, your camera is slightly blurry. So I'm looking at what I imagine to be Pokemon cards. Yeah, yeah, it's my Palkia V deck. I have to say, there's so much Pokemon suddenly across the people I know in Discord and on this podcast and Twitter that I feel like some kind of guerrilla marketing push is going on right now. Did something happen that's made Pokemon pop, as they say? Here's what happened. Everyone learned to play Lorcana and realized that it's not as fun as the other games. Okay. And they're all going back to Pokemon now? <laughs> and, 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 and I think we also realized that Pokemon is just like unbelievably cheap to play. Unbelievably cheap to play. What that's surprising to me because I know the packs are extremely popular mm-hmm. and they have normal MSRPs. So what mm-hmm. makes the cards inside cheap? Just like there's just super chase cards, everything else is cheap. It's it's a high supply, normal demand issue. So like people love cracking Pokemon boosters, and what you have is a a base, a consumer base that's like pre- more collectors than players. So people just like are cracking, cracking packs, chasing like hollows or foils, and then everything else ends up being really cheap. And also just because they're cracking so many packs, like even the chase cards tend to be tend to be pretty reasonably priced. So you are saying that silly children are asking their parents for like packs at the store and then cracking them. And so there's just endless supply of, of people who are have bad EV. If even the chase cards are cheap. Yeah, but it's not It's not just the children, Shane. It's the grown-ups, too. They're just mm. addicted to cracking packs. Gotta catch them all, baby. 